0: Hey, it's August 2021, and I have to apologize for a recent absence from the podcast. My life has been a bit busy, and I've been traveling. I'm no longer in Los Angeles, I'm now in Berlin, Germany, and I was in France for a little while in between. And I've had my mind on this responsibility I've created for myself, which is to record my podcast. And I do this for me and I do it for you. I like to have a responsibility. I like to have a practice. I like to put myself out there, but I also want to do it in a way that I'm proud of and I'm quirky, I have my quirks. I'm a little obsessive compulsive, I'm a little neurotic. I had it in my mind that I would record an episode, today's episode, on the topic of being a flaneur. This occurred to me weeks ago, and I was, I've was i been very much embodying this flaneur spirit that I'll explain soon. But as such, somehow I didn't find the time to properly dedicate myself to the microphone and the recording process. And a lot of that is technical. I admit to being a little jumbled and a little disorganized. It's hard for me to record something of quality on the fly when I'm all packed up and in a different mindset. I thought I would record this before leaving LA as a sort of preamble to my travels, but I end up getting in my head about packing and preparing and all the loose ends that I have to tie up and such responsibilities. And I guess there are excuses when it comes down to it. I don't know why I hold myself to standards. It's not like what I'm recording right here and now is some masterpiece. But I do really need to feel ready in general to do anything. And I hope everyone can relate to that broadly speaking, especially when you take that thing seriously. You want to be prepared. And sometimes being prepared is knowing what to say. Sometimes is it's having all the technical aspects properly laid out and firing properly. And sometimes it's just being in the right state of mind. And something about my lifestyle, something about my general state of mind is that it's always kind of moving, it's always on the go, it's always in flux, and it just makes it difficult to sit here for an hour and talk, even though so much of my time is basically, quote, free. I don't have the trappings of such modern-day life like a 40-hour work week, a nine-to-five grind, or even family obligations. I have a dog that I've passed on to my parents for the moment, as I'm in Europe for the time being. And (laughs) I do miss Covey. It gives me pause thinking about how I want to be settled and I want to create a more traditional lifestyle at this point in my life. I want to start getting that stuff planned out. But when it comes down to it, I'm an artistic, poetic spirit. And that's what I want to really get into today. You know, here in Berlin especially, but in Europe in general, it's not asked as often as it is in the States. What do you do? Like for a living? It's kind of a crass question, frankly speaking. In the UK, it's more like, what are your interests? How do you spend your days? And I'm more curious about someone's passion, what they care about, or what's on their mind in the moment. But it does come up, what do I do? And dear listener, you might wonder the same. And I live a life where that answer varies (laughs) depending on my mood and depending on the season. I tend not to answer it too formally because I don't live a formal lifestyle. I live an artist's lifestyle. It's why I moved to Berlin years ago after getting my master's in fine arts because this is a place that nurtures such sensibilities. And I stand by that. I hesitate to say that I'm proud. I haven't aimed at this exactly. And insofar as I have aimed at this lifestyle, I'm not succeeding on my terms exactly my Patreon could be more successful, for instance, and I ask for your support there, patreon.com key thinking. I could have started a proper YouTube channel by now for my visual arts, and I could even lay these words underneath the imagery. This could be a format that suits me given how much time I spend on YouTube, but I don't quite have the temperament for such things. They take great effort to properly channel in a specific direction like that. Making a video is a lot of work and making this podcast is a lot of work. Still there's the decision of what software to use and what hardware to plug into it. There are the constant agonies of file management and data and hard drives and servers and hosting sites. And not to mention the advertising PR, sharing this on my social media, all these things are black holes and a neurotic person can get lost at any step of that way. And fundamentally it's not me. And it explains where I am in life to, to, for, me to, for me to understand myself in this way. I'm a flaneur, or more broadly, I'm an artist and a poet, a writer, but these things are vague. And when I tell this to people, they always ask, oh, what kind of art do you do? And suddenly it becomes a little hard because if I'm honest, I haven't done any art of any real sort in a while. So I want to read to you a definition from Wikipedia that best describes me. A flaneur is an ambivalent figure of urban affluence and modernity, representing the ability to wander detached from society with no other purpose than to be an acute observer of industrialized contemporary life. That's the final par- final sentence of the first paragraph on the Wikipedia entry for flaneur. It's a French noun referring to a person literally meaning stroller, lounger, saunterer, or loafer, but with some nuanced additional meanings. Plannery is the act of strolling with all of its accompanying associations. That's the first two sentences from Wikipedia. And I want you to know, dear listener, that this is who I am, even when I'm not recording my podcast, even when I'm not printing photographs, even when I'm not engaging with my video work it's harder to say that i am a filmmaker when i haven't made a film in six years for instance but i am always an ambivalent figure of urban affluence and modernity i am always representing the ability to wander detached from society and i always have no other purpose than to be an acute observer of industrialized contemporary life Now, it doesn't mean that I do nothing because of this very general, ambiguous definition. This podcast represents my acute observations of contemporary life. I hope that much is clear. But even when I'm not recording this podcast, I am doing that. And my failing in this world is that I'm not always doing it in the best possible way. And it's because industrialized contemporary life is so messy and that I have such quirky failings and faults. For instance, I was at an art gallery in my first days back to Berlin with a friend of mine and I had a lot to say about this gallery experience. My friend is called Cherie and I aim to have a podcast with her where we can discuss such things. And I was very excited or let's say, uh, enthusiastic about analyzing this art show. And she has actually seen me invoke this enthusiasm in a few different conversations. And I wonder what is the best format to have this analysis, to acutely observe this situation of a, let's call it politically motivated art exhibition. Should I be photographing it and putting it in my Instagram stories? Should I be accompanying those Instagram stories with text? Should that text be biting and savage in its critique? Or should it be observational and suggestive to a broad audience, many of whom would sympathize with the exhibition? Should I write an essay about it? And if I write an essay, where should I publish it? Should I merely talk about it? with the friends I'm with and perhaps the friends I see the next day, which I have done. I'm not sure. Should I be uh, on Twitter? Should I be tweeting live? I'm at this exhibition, I roll. Should I be tweeting after the fact? Should I be including this experience in my vast library of references to a social movement that I've been observing for many years now called social justice I don't really know I should probably be discussing it right now on this podcast but I don't really want to commit an entire entire episode to the woke agenda within the fine art world though it wouldn't be hard to do so instead I am detached from society and acutely observe it in my quiet little way. And a part of me accepts that. A part of me, especially as I age, takes enough comfort in my own observations, in my own sense of the truth. And I become less eager to announce it to the world, to insist on my opinion to others. Of course, dear friends of mine uh, hearing this will laugh because I very much do that in person. And obviously having a podcast, having this microphone or megaphone symbolically represents my desire to broadcast my perspective. And I have one, but I'm at odds with it. I'm full of self-doubt much of the time. Just yesterday, a Sunday, I had really no other major goal besides recording this very podcast, and I confronted a technical difficulty with my computer and microphone. And it was enough for me to step away and pick up a different pursuit upon which I confronted another difficulty. And it was that kind of day where I almost got nothing done because the 10 things I wanted to do all presented walls to me. And if I was an industrious person myself, if I was the sort of person that pushed through these kinds of walls and made things happen... I would not be a flaneur. I would be simply a writer or a filmmaker because those words encapsulate so many details that must be done in a day. So much work is tied into these kinds of words. When I tell people that I'm an artist, which I do feel confident enough to say having a degree in the Fields and having produced a body of work that people can recognize. I still have doubts, given all the details that being an artist does include, like grant writing and submissions and regular exhibitions, solo and group, like being invited to give talks, like teaching your subject. And there's so much of that that I have failed to properly build into my resume that i wonder to myself if i can call myself an artist there are um comforting words that artists tell ourselves that it's not about what we produce it's about how we see the world it's about our sensibilities It's not about the sales you make at auction or the museums that your org is displayed in. It's about your unique point of view and your materials perhaps, but successful artists will scoff at that. They might agree in a nice way, but in our capitalist society, let's be honest. We measure ourselves by our achievements in our field. And it makes me wonder what field I've been achieving anything in. And when I've discovered this Wikipedia entry on the Flaneur, it became clear to me that this is the thing I have always been doing and doing very well. It's just that it's harder to export. It's harder to show. It's harder to sell on LinkedIn, Instagram even. And I suppose my goal in life is to achieve more recognition for my abilities in this field. And to do that, I first have to clearly define how to do that. And this podcast does represent a... Channel a directed path toward that goal because I hope to constantly add to my catalog of podcast episodes keen points of view on difficult modern topics. That is what a flaneur does. So I want to speak more broadly about identity. It will be one of the upcoming episodes of this podcast. I want to specifically recognize this idea of being a flaneur as my truest identity. You know, I can be called a lot of things, but I think this word is the one that I identify with the most. And it's not to be cool. It's not because I think it's such a radical or cool thing. There is some amount of self-consciousness I have with this word. It is a privileged thing to be, obviously. And I have some self-judgment of my privilege. But at the end of the day, I accept who I am. I'll read the second paragraph in its entirety to flush this idea out a little more officially. The flaneur was, first of all, a literary type from 19th century France, essential to any picture of the streets of Paris. The word carried a set of rich associations, the man of leisure, the idler, the urban explorer, the connoisseur of the street. It was Walter Benjamin, drawing on the poetry of Charles Baudelaire, who made this figure the object of scholarly interest in the 20th century as an emblematic archetype of urban, modern, even modernist, experience. Following Benjamin, the flaneur has become an important symbol for scholars, artists, and writers. The classic French female counterpart is the passante, dating to the works of Marcel Proust, through a 21st century academic coinage is flaneuse. And some English language writers simply apply the masculine flaneur also to women. The term has acquired an additional architecture and urban planning sense, referring to passersby who experience incidental or intentional psychological effects from the design of a structure. So just to pick that apart a little bit more in detail, Back to that first para, that first sentence. I have always been in love with Paris as an idea and French culture, generally speaking, the philosophy uh, of Baudelaire and Camus and the other existentialists, the filmmaking of French New Wave, specifically Jean-Luc Godard, the beauty of French women and the starlets of the 60s and 70s especially, like Brigitte Bardot, the, uh, the food and cuisine of creams and butters and fries and meats, the pride of celebrating a lifestyle full of wine and cheese and the sense of revolution of a liberal society. These things have always excited me extremely. And when I even decided to move to Europe from New York, I really aimed to live in Paris and be of this ilk. So the fact that this word really comes from this spirit is so appealing to me. These rich associations that are mentioned in this article, the man of leisure, the man of leisure, if you will, I very much identify with. The Idler. Indeed. The Urban Explorer. I've failed to properly launch my travel blog, though it does exist. I've failed to, let's say, properly manage it. But I am an urban explorer, and I have a lot of insights into urban life around the world. I love exploration, travel in general. The Connoisseur of the Street. I am a street photographer. I take Photographs on the streets of multiple continents obsessively. I take a lot of photographs (laughs) every day. And I have a lot of insights into streets conceptually as well as practically. I love architecture. I It's what my parents wanted me to be when I was a child. I would draw floor plans and buildings as a kid. And my recent foray into project managing house design was immensely fulfilling because I have a very sensitive... I have a sensitivity for space. I feel my body in space. Coming back to my flat here in Berlin... I'm very aware of this room that I'm sitting in and the light that enters it and the height of the ceilings. And in a way, it's actually welcoming compared to my house in L.A., which is technically larger and includes outdoor space, but each room is smaller, more claustrophobic than my Berlin single-room apartment. And I love this idea at the end of the paragraph that architecture and urban planning are brought into this idea that people, passersby even, can be considered Flinders when they experience psychological effects from the design of a city. And it's just so damn true. I was just in Paris last week, and I'm just always delighted by the Hausman style of boulevards running into each other that there are corner structures that send your eye in various directions and not simply in the four static square directions that most cities are designed with that uh, there's so much for the eye to dance around there's so much beauty in every detail of a building facade and the streets have their own life to them. They bend so that your eye ends on an interesting curve of building that catches the afternoon light just so. These things are so meaningful to me. There's magic to them that I really feel in my body, and it's why I love Paris so much. Having now spent enough time there for the honeymoon period to end, Paris is rife with modern problems not to get political, but its fundamental sense of self is so romantically lovely and amazing and beautiful that I just adore it. And I think that that is the flaneur in me that does that adoring. It's the kind of backdrop against which Slacker philosophers can chat infinitely holding a glass of wine or beer or pastis. And this is the life I want, always. Ultimately, I want that more than I want anything else. And if anyone today invited me into the streets during the sunset for a drink, I would not be recording this podcast because I want that now and always more than I want to record this. It's a failing because that is the outlook of a child fundamentally. It's instant gratification. I understand the future. I understand my timeline. And that if I want to be somewhere more satisfying in 10 years, I need to record podcasts, even if they're not disseminated to the extent I wish. Because having a library of my thoughts is valuable. And meeting a friend at the corner of a local bar, and watching the people walk by, does not exactly get me to the future I want, but it gets me to the present I want. And I suppose I'm a bit of a hedonist in that sense. Why delay what you want if you can have it now? And if you can't have it now, what if you could have something close to it? It's a kind of a deep question, the kind of question modern philosophers should be asking. It's all a trade-off, isn't it? And I like sitting around wondering that. (laughs) And this counts, right? This counts as doing that. So that's me, fundamentally. This is who I am. There is a section here. The contents of this Wikipedia article are the etymology, female counterparts, urban life, architecture and urban planning, photography, and other uses. I want to jump down to photography since I am a trained photographer. The Flinners' tendency toward detached but aesthetically attuned observation has brought the term into the literature of photography particularly street photography the street photographer is seen as one modern extension of the urban observer described by 19th century journalist victor Fournell before the advent of the handheld camera this man is a roving and impassioned daguerreotype that preserves the least traces and on which are reproduced with their changing reflections the course of things the movement of the city, the multiple physiognomy of the public spirit, the confessions, antipathies, and admirations of the crowd. The most notable application of flaneur to street photography probably comes from Susan Sontag in her 1977 collection of essays on photography. She describes how, since the development of handheld cameras in the early 20th century, the camera has become the tool of the flaneur. The quote. The photographer is an armed version of the solitary walker, reconnoitering, stalking, cruising the urban inferno, the voyeuristic stroller who discovers the city as a landscape of voluptuous extremes. Adept of the joys of watching, connoisseur of empathy, the flaneur finds the world picturesque. God I I'm like in love with this Wikipedia entry I have to say I mean that really the whole thing speaks to me um I had this very vivid sense of all that in the past week I was in Marseille and I couldn't stop photographing the people against this Perfectly picturesque backdrop of cliffs and rocks tumbling into the sea. It was just so spiritual for me. I'll read the Architecture and Urban Planning section too. Its interest to me is a little less pronounced. I'm not trained in this way, but I am passionate about it nonetheless. The concept of the flaneur has also become meaningful in the psychogeography of architecture and urban planning, describing people who are indirectly and usually unintentionally affected by a particular design they experience only in passing. I want to add here that so much of my street photography is architecture, and that certain cities like Paris excite me more than others. In 1917, the Swiss writer Robert Walser published a short story called Der Spaziergang, The Walk, a veritable outcome of the flaneur literature. Walter Benjamin adopted the concept of the urban observer both as an analytical tool and as a lifestyle. From his Marxist standpoint, Benjamin describes the flaneur as a product of modern life and the Industrial Revolution without precedent, a parallel to the advent of the tourist. His flaneur is an uninvolved but highly perceptive, Bourgeois dilettante. Benjamin became his own prime example, making social and aesthetic observations during long walks through Paris. Even the title of his unfinished Arcades Project comes from his affection for covered shopping streets. The quote The crowd was the veil from behind which the familiar city, as phantasmagoria, beckoned to the flaneur. In it, the city was now landscape, now a room, and both of these went into the construction of the department store, which made use of flannery itself in order to sell goods. The department store was the flanners' final coup. As flaneur's the intelligentsia came into the marketplace, as they thought to observe it, but in reality, it was all ready to find a buyer. In this intermediary stage, they took the form of the boheme. To the uncertainty of their economic position corresponded the uncertainty of their political function. In the context of modern day architecture and urban planning, designing for Flinners is one way to approach the psychological aspects of the built environment. I wanna mention a movie. It's a French film called Playtime from 1967 by Jacques Tati. It's a lovely piece of daydream cinema in which very little happens. A man about town wanders through modern Parisian society in an almost cartoonish or buffoonish way, befuddled and bedazzled in equal measures by department store life, generally speaking. And (laughs) I'm just now realizing how meaningful and significant this film has felt to me. I've seen it many, many times, but I'm just now associating all these topics together. The man about town, idling, observing things, uh, somewhat critically and somewhat playfully. Uh, the architecture and the visuals of it. The, the film as cinema in a self-referential way, and architecture as influential space, defining our modern lives. It's a really cool movie, so check that out. Um, I don't know how it stands in today's iPhone-obsessed way of watching things, but it's it's a lovely thing to have on in the background, even at a party. I hope that I have explained a bit my sensibility here, where I'm coming from, and uh, I I just want to reiterate what this word really encompasses for me as an identity. It is a modern artist, a street photographer, a visual thinker, a meditator, an intellectual and academic. A philosopher who has the time and interest to comment idly, perhaps impassioned, but often detached on things going on. And I suppose my my struggle has been how to capitalize this sensibility. How to really turn this into something, as my dad puts it, That is financially and socially rewarding in some traditional sense. It's a fair enough challenge. Um, Dad, I trust or I hope that listening to this episode shines some light on how I'm coming at this. It's weird because it's... um, This is not the sort of person for whom modern society is actually built and intended. This is not a cog in the machine kind of uh, role. And this is not a entrepreneurial success story kind of role. And I think our world really does cater to leaders and followers, to owners and workers fundamentally speaking. And in that sense, I am Marxist in my sympathies. I don't feel a role here for me in any clear way. But I suppose my goal, again, is to find a way to marry this with an entrepreneurial spirit, to Find some sort of capitalist outlet. The thing is that, by definition, I am okay already. <laughs> I am. Uh, I come from enough affluence. Being born in nineteen eighties California, to get by on little and enjoy a higher quality of life surrounded by friends and supporters and well-wishers. And I suppose I just want to continue to grow in that direction, which is why I do ask for your support in any modest way on my Patreon, Key Thinking. Because I think what I'm doing here has value. And the more I do watch... Our capitalist system, reward contracts and high salaries to the most meager of paper pushers. The way that we monetize the most trivial of things, I don't understand how my work as an observer and thinker should be valued so much less. Not the ideal note to end on here, but (laughs) I suppose that's how it went. Um, my self doubt is creeping in. Um, so I will stop, but I am excited to edit through my pictures of France in the summer of 2021 and to continue growing out my catalog of street photography. Uh, I've come to the realization that I do need to have that out there in the world for people to see, all the photos I take of them and people around them, and also all of the visual art that I've made and make that for sale. It's a failing of, I don't know what, I don't I don't really understand why I haven't successfully created an online shop for such things. I know many of you would prefer it if I did, so I, I do intend to. Um, as well as to continue fleshing out my podcast library. So that's that. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to be back in Berlin and Europe, and I'm going to continue this um, wave of enthusiasm to push me uh, forward. I will not be taking another long break from this podcast. I will be back soon with episodes on Identity as well as socialism, uh, travel, and other topics. So I'll leave it there, guys. Until next time. Ciao.